Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Rad Habits podcast. The women and children are in bed. It's late at night, and it's just me and you. So forgive me if I sound a little different tonight. I'm trying not to wake up the family, um, but I wasn't going to put on podcasting for another minute. I took a one-week hiatus from the podcast and a few other things because I really needed to put some focus elsewhere this last week. And I hurt myself last weekend, which I'll tell you about in a minute. So I took that little extra time to rest and try to heal up. But now I'm ready to charge forward once again, and I hope you're with me. I've found that there's just going to be times where I need to take a break from certain things. And the podcast was that thing this week. And that's okay if you can make space for that. And there are a couple of things that I do to make myself the kind of space I need to be lazy every now and then. Number one, I charge ahead early on when things are easy. For example, I'm still in college. I started when I was just about 30 and I've been chipping away at it very slowly ever since. But one of the things I've found is that at the beginning of each semester, classes are way easier and the grading is more forgiving. Things get tougher as the semester continues, and at the same time, you're probably going to start to experience some burnout as the semester wears on. I know I do. So, I take advantage of the ease of things at the beginning of each semester before the work is overwhelming, and I earn any bonus points early on before I'm overwhelmed by the workload. What I try to do is get my grades as high as possible early on so that later, when I start to slip or I just need a break and want to take a day off, I can sustain any of that damage that comes from it without completely tanking the class. Now, the second thing I do to make space for my lazy time is that I set a time limit for how much laziness I'll allow myself. We will talk about time management for an episode soon, but for now, I'm going to gloss over this concept just briefly. If I'm writing or I'm doing housework or some physical project and I come to this point where I need to just let my brain or body shut down for a little bit, I'll set a limit of like a single episode of some Netflix show or two innings of a baseball game I'm watching or something like that as my limit. And I vow to myself that whenever that thing is done, I get back to the work at hand. This has been way more effective for me than just telling myself I'll get back to my project after I feel better, because everything wants to continue along the path that it's on. You've probably discovered this in yourself. It's kind of the object in motion, staying in motion principle. If I don't set something as a signifier that my time of rest or my time of laziness is over, my brain and my body want to just continue down that path of laziness and I want to stay resting. If no matter how I feel, I get back in motion after that episode or that inning or whatever, a few minutes into it, all the fatigue just wears off and the body in motion wants at last to stay in motion. So a few days after the last podcast, I determined that one week was going to be my time limit for putting my focus elsewhere and for healing up. I hope that you missed me. Now on the topic of taking breaks, there's another thing that I think is important to mention. When you do relax 
analyze the things you're doing to relax and think about the purpose of it. Are you using this break to recharge or are you using these things to escape from something? If you're trying to escape from something you really take no pleasure in whatsoever and it isn't moving you closer to anything you take pleasure in, your problem isn't how much relaxation time you do or don't have, and you're going to have to figure something else out. It's also easy, though, to tell yourself you're doing something to relax and recharge, and then it doesn't actually do either of those things for you. A prime example for me is social media and reading into the arguments and the trolling or even just burrowing into the bad news and toxic thinking. It's like mental junk food. It's not a real break. I don't feel any better afterwards. And I certainly don't feel recharged in any way. So please be analytical of those things you're doing when you're telling yourself you're just relaxing. Do you actually get pleasure or relaxation from those things? Remember, your creature brain just wants you to feel comfortable in the given moment. So it's going to try to convince you sometimes to do shit that just doesn't benefit you at all. That's how bad habits are reinforced. But that's not really what I want to talk to you about today. This episode is also being recorded behind schedule because between work and the exams I took this week, I was also on a very cool hunting trip in which I missed the biggest deer I've ever seen. Not once, but three times. So I want to talk about hunting tonight because I think that in a society that is based so much on you being a consumer of goods and the kinds of things that allow you to provide for yourself and your family and that make you self-sufficient are pretty radical. I view hunting as a chance to harvest your own clean, healthy, organic food from a source that's natural and that you trust. But I don't even think that's what I love about hunting the most. That's not important right now though. Even if you will never hunt and you despise the idea of it, I intend for this episode to have some value even for you because hunting is a great metaphor for life. It's possible to get lucky and with little knowledge or little preparation or no hard work, there's that chance that whatever you're after will just walk right in front of you and you can get it. But it's a lot more likely that whatever you're after is out there and it's going to be tough as hell to get a shot at. And it's going to take hard work and practice and dedication and possibly missing the shots you take over and over again. And even with persistence, you might go home empty handed. But if you stay hungry out there and you learn from every failure and each failure only motivates you to work harder, the chances increase that that thing you're dreaming of is going to be yours at some point. So back to what I love most about hunting is that more than it being a case of hunter versus prey or of man versus nature, which are both pretty badass, hunting is an ongoing contest against yourself. And when you do well, there are these real world tangible rewards. And when you do poorly, there are consequences that can be absolutely severe, like getting really hurt or even killed. Nature is unforgiving. But whether I do well or do poorly while I'm hunting, there are things that I learn each time. I'm going to share some of them. Now, on this hunt last weekend, 
The morning of the first day, I was hiking with all my gear to find a good spot in this completely unfamiliar territory. And I was moving over a very high, very steep ridge over treacherous, rocky ground that was wet and slippery. And I had not prepared like I should have. So my pack was way too heavy. And this is ridiculous. At one point, I start to lose my footing and slip down this steep hill. And there's a tree there. And I reach out to kind of grab it and support myself. This thing is like 20 feet tall, but it had been burned. So when I grab it, the whole freaking tree just falls over, crashes down the hill. I go with it. I roll my ankle so bad as I go down. And it definitely made like an audible crunching noise. So this is how I began my hunt. I may have broken my foot or snapped some tendons. It definitely sounded really bad when it rolled and the pain was pretty severe and immediate. Don't tell my wife, but it still hurts. She'll make me go to the doctor. Um, so, you know, keep that between us. So anyways, before the sun even comes up, before I unpack the first thing I brought with me, I find myself laying in the cold, wet grass, shaking from the pain. I'm not even sure at this point if I'm going to be able to walk out of this area or if I'm going to have to call for a rescue. And while I'm laying there, I'm like, yes, this is what it's all about. And that's when it really struck me just how much I love hunting. Like even in the worst parts, it's still badass to me. So first to gloss over this topic of man versus nature, nature being so unforgiving, I'll let you know that I will preach the benefits of nature and fresh air and sunshine all day long. Because I know sometimes I'm so into the rat race at home, at work, and especially now that I usually work all night, I can go a ridiculous significant amount of time without really getting outside at all and getting my dose of sunshine that I need. And when I'm caught up like this, I don't even think about it until like a week of feeling shitty has gone by and I look back on how I've been spending my time and I realize that I feel shitty because I've been living like a vampire. But I've also come now to understand the value of absolute silence. You do not realize how much noise we are surrounded by in our everyday lives. You realize it when you're deep in the woods in the moment before sunrise and you finally don't hear the buzzing of electric lights and the din of far off traffic and ticking clocks and lawnmowers and leaf blowers however far away and you don't hear any other people but then at last you can be in a place where for a little while you hear absolutely nothing it's magical and then when nature starts to add the sounds back in little by little, I get this feeling of being connected to the things that I'm meant to be connected with. When the breeze comes on and you can hear it move through a valley far away coming towards you and it just gets closer and closer until you finally hear it all around you and you feel it on your skin and the leaves rustle and birds chirp and chipmunks make their dumbass noises that make you think a deer is nearby that's when i finally feel like myself so even if you're not into hunting do nature when you're out there you're gonna realize just how trivial so many of the things that you worry yourself with actually are i realize that every time i go out nature doesn't care if i'm getting the appreciation i deserve at work or the rims of my car, or how I feel about the NFL right now. All that shit is meaningless out there. 
Nature cares only about whether you can weather it and if you can quiet your own mind enough to enjoy it and take advantage of it. It cares if my mind is right and if I'm organized, if I'm prepared and practice and steady and deserving. That's what nature wants out of you. And if I'm in that state, I'm rewarded. And if I'm not, I'm embarrassed like I am about this hunt. And that's why nature is so important. Testing yourself in nature in any way is going to strip you down and free you of a lot of the bullshit your mind is wrapped up with. So please bear with me as I try to explain how the principles of hunting that I was reminded of through my failure out there apply to being more successful in everyday life. Everything I did wrong out there started way before I got out there. First, I knew absolutely nothing about where I was going. I didn't know anything about the town where this place was. I hadn't seen this place on a map, and I never read a word about it. I was lucky this time because I was among friends, but I've gotten out by myself almost as ill-prepared in places that I haven't researched. And this weekend I realized I've just been lucky so far that I haven't experienced an emergency. Saturday morning, when I was laying there hurt, I was reminded of just how idiotic I've been in those situations. What if it had been my friend getting hurt instead of me? And what if it was bad? Could I call in a rescue for him, knowing as little about the place as I did? No. Could I have rescued him, having no idea where the nearest main road was or even which direction the town was in? Definitely not. But maybe if I'd done my diligence, I would have known that a hundred yards in the other direction from where I'd fallen, the terrain was better for traveling. And I'd have picked out a spot and not hurt myself in the dark before the hunt even started. So right away, I was confronted with having failed at the basic principle of knowing what the fuck you're walking into before you go walking into it. That's an important principle. I'm going to stress that for you. Know what the fuck you're walking into. It's something I try to do in my other aspects of life. I don't know why I didn't do it for hunting. If I'm writing about someone for work, I look them up online ahead of time. I do research before I talk about things. I don't know why I thought I didn't have to look into the situation before I got there. Now, when I research something, I also know that everything I read may be worthless once I actually get out in the field. It's important to know that too. Features can change from the map you look at, variables can come into play, but any little bit of familiarity can be helpful. Knowing what the closest main road is supposed to be or what the highest point is supposed to be could always come into play too. The second big mistake out there that made itself clear after I'd missed that giant fucking buck was that I'd set up in a terrible spot. And I think this is such a metaphor for my life. I want to share it with you. Let me know if you think this too. When I was hurt and I was down on the ground, I thought maybe I could carry my heavy burden of all the useless shit I had hauled into the woods with me, but I didn't want to haul it any further at that point. So I set up my hunting spot right where I'd fallen, and it turned out to be just close enough to the opposing ridge that I could see the things I wanted, but not really close. And the time isn't right, and all this shit is so heavy, so I stayed in a bad spot. And later, after I'd shot at and missed this deer, and he disappeared on me, 
I went over to the other ridge to look for blood because I was so far I couldn't even be sure if I'd missed him or not. And at last I saw just how much of the important stuff on that other side I couldn't see from my hunting spot. And I finally saw that I was way farther away than I'd realized and that the shots I was taking were way longer than I should have been taking because I had no real chance of landing any of those shots that far out. But I couldn't see that because I'd let all these other factors stop me where I was instead of where I needed to be to succeed at what I was doing. So tell me if you don't see this as a metaphor for everything else I've wanted in my life. I can see all the things I dream of way off in the distance, and I tell myself I'll get them someday, but then I'm hurt, and the load is heavy, and I haven't made myself as prepared as I should be, so instead of going after them, I sit and wait for them to come to me, and I'm not seeing how much I'm not noticing, and I'm not realizing how far off I really am. I tell you, whatever it is you want, whether it's career success or finishing that book, or if it's a freezer full of deer meat. You've got to set yourself up in the right spot. You've got to go after it, even when you're hurt, even when the load is heavy. You've got to make yourself ready, and you've got to get yourself as close as you can every time you set out to do something, because you don't realize how far off you really are sometimes, and you don't know how much you're missing. Now on the other side of that, I need you to know that no matter what a great spot you get, it's likely that the perfect opportunity is never going to present itself. So make yourself ready for the imperfect moment. That's definitely the case in deer hunting, but again, I think this applies to everything you do. I was not ready. I had fired this gun I was using once in the last three years. I was so out of practice that when I went to shoot, all the important little parts of technique, things that I knew I needed to be doing to take a good shot, all of it went right out the window. So the third lesson here is that you've got to practice whatever you want to do. Practicing anything establishes the good habits as the default program your brain's going to run when it starts to get overwhelmed. From second to second, your brain has a lot going on. It runs a lot of systems at once just to keep you conscious and alive. So your brain wants new tasks you add to it to be able to run smoothly and automatically. That can happen if you practice. If you practice anything with a mind towards good habits, when it's time to run that big task like shooting a deer or fighting or throwing a baseball, all of those good little techniques will take place by default. You might think of them, or they might be totally unconscious because your brain is just running that deer shooting program, but if you aren't practice, your brain is going to trip over the basic mini tasks that make up the greater task, and though you may know the techniques like I did, you're going to default to a less optimal state. In my case, I saw the biggest deer I'd ever seen. And I experienced this rush of adrenaline. And if, if you've ever been hunting, you know this feeling when you lay eyes on a huge deer. My brain had no idea what to do all of a sudden. Somewhere in there were the old instructions, but in this state, they just were not being accessed. I could not slow my heart or my breathing. I 
didn't steady my gun against anything. I didn't bring the deer up in my scope like I should have, so I was rushed. And then when I actually took my shots, I was jerking the trigger instead of squeezing it. And because of that, I didn't get a good look at where my shots were landing. This wasn't just a matter of not being calm when I should have been. Because we should be practicing things so that we can perform tests properly, even under the most stressful situations. So let that be a lesson to you. Anything you want to be able to do, work at it often, make the time to practice it, and yes, fail at it over and over until doing it right and successfully becomes second nature. Then keep practicing so that every tiny technique involved stays sharp. And so those skills are sharp even in the worst situation, even when you're stressed out, even when you have a flood of adrenaline in your veins. The next day, after I missed this guy, that big buck showed up again. But this time, I didn't spot him until he was a long way off and he was on the move. See, knowing he was out there, I had been antsy all day. I had a really hard time quieting my mind that second day, and I know there were plenty of moments where I was checking my phone or thinking of other stupid shit. And if you're ever going to go out there hunting or even bird watching or fishing, anytime you're interacting with wildlife, know that the animals don't tend to show up when your mind is just full of worry and nonsense and your thoughts are racing in your head. Now, usually it's only when I'm totally one with nature that I see a deer. Other times, like that day, I'll spot a deer at the last second before it disappears just to let me know that they were there and I wasn't paying enough attention. And I think that's going to be my last point for tonight because I'm going to get up and go hunting again in the morning. And when you let all the mundane bullshit and the pointless tasks whirl up a bunch of noise in your mind, it becomes easier and easier to miss what you're after. Take time. Even if it's the middle of the workday or sometime when you're doing a thousand other things, take time to just observe how busy your mind is and how you feel when you've got so much racing around in your mind. And then do whatever it takes to make your mind quiet for a while, because that's going to be good for you. It's during those times when your mind is quiet that you're going to get your bearings and you're going to know if you're on the right path. And I think that's what I love about hunting the most. It's not even that rush you get when you see a deer. It's not having a freezer full of meat. It's not having a broken ankle laying in wet grass on the side of a ridge because man versus nature is badass. What I love about it the most is that restorative experience of having your mind completely quiet for a while and, and getting that new unfiltered perspective on your life and being able to judge if you're on the right track or not. And then after your hunting trip, you can adjust and make sure that you're on the warpath. That's all I really wanted to drive home tonight. I'm not going to bore all of you with hunting stuff all at once. I'll let you know that I am a lot more confident about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next time I see a deer. So 
I'm not disappointed in this experience of missing the biggest deer I've ever seen. I've been out with my crossbow several days this week at Crystal Lake in Oklahoma City practicing my shooting techniques. It's different from shooting a gun, but so much of the techniques and the principles are the same. So I'm getting my confidence back. I've been working on my gear and getting prepared. So I'll let you know what happens tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this hunting episode because there's plenty more lessons available in hunting and I'm sure I'm going to want to talk about them again soon. If any of you are into archery and you want to come shoot with me in OKC sometime, or if you have some hogs on your land and you're looking to get rid of some, let me know. I've got a crossbow. And Bigfoot, if you're out there, thanks for listening. Uh, I love your work. I hope someday we can meet. Until next time, I love you guys. It's been awesome. Good night. Sweet dreams. Stay radical.